Behold, a gateway to your own past, if you wish. is strange, it's alien, and it won't give us what we would like to have. It's hour three of a Tuesday morning, and that means Dave does history on Bill McLive. Our hour brought to you by the West Coco Pharmacy. You can link up to Dave Bowman and his uh, plausibly live The Dave Bowman Show podcast at BillMick.com. Also, Dave's bibliography of things that he, where he starts his look at history. And uh, Dave's going to bring us that look on this flag day. That's the headline at BillMick.com, by the way. Flag Day. And in all honesty, not something that Dave, and, and at least in the circles I ran in, we didn't pay a lot of attention to. It, it was just kind of like, okay, Pennsylvania started it. We don't care because we hate Pitt and Penn State. We hate Pennsylvania. We don't care. Hi, Dave Bowman. How are you? I'm good, Bill. How are you today? I already well, I put you in program. There you are. I, I had you turned off. There you are. I said, hi, Bill. How are you today? I am doing well, man. It is uh, Flag Day. Nobody. Was, you through your whole life no of course not okay um, right. i just wondered if i was unusual in that regard i didn't I, I didn't even know there was a flag day until i was a senior in high school really so we'll talk about that a little bit later in 1937 on this day the state of pennsylvania did something that no other state had ever done before nor has any date state done since and i doubt very seriously that any state ever will in that it made this day, June 14th, 1775 flag day as a state holiday in Pennsylvania, which means that if you're a state employee in Pennsylvania, you have today off, even though the feds don't. So that's a little, that's a little unfair, I guess. Normally it's kind of backwards. I don't think you could do that today. I don't think a state, I think if my state Washington tried to tried to make this a state holiday, the the amount of blowback you would get from the population centers of Washington State or California or New York or Illinois would ever would, would stop that in its tracks. It would never happen today because what do we see the flag as today uh, in in many Just cases hatred and oppression right and so it would never it would never do today. I mean Colin Kaepernick notwithstanding, which is another story I don't want to get into because I'll, I'll drift <laughs> on that one all day. But the, the bottom line is I, somewhere along the way, we sort of lost the meaning of, of, of flag day. If we ever really understood it to begin with, and I'm not sure we ever did. I know some people did and I know it has a lot of meaning, but at the same time, it's almost like we sort of just, you know, we're busy. It's June. It's almost summertime. We got other vacations, right? We got other things to do. And so, Uh well, let me ask you something. Does the military acknowledge and and honor flag day now or not? I have no idea what they do now. Um, Flag day was never, as I recall during my time in the service, it was never noted as specifically as flag day. I mean, we may have, 
they may have announced it in quarters or something like that. Sure. But, you know, in the United States Navy, anyway, every day is flag day. So well, that's true, too. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. So we sort of uh, we sort of go on that bound that that path of it. So three weeks after the battles of Lexington and Concord, which we've already talked about, mm-hmm. which is where the American Revolution ended and the Revolutionary War began. Three weeks after that happened, the United States of America, which didn't exist yet, um, right. the, the leaders of the 13 colonies, well, 12 of them anyway, gathered in Philadelphia to commence the Second Continental Congress. Mm-hmm. Now, we complain about Congress a lot. We, we love, that's like, Don't we do. that's like the national pastime. And every year you see articles, this is the most ineffective Congress ever. This Congress hasn't done anything to do nothing. Congress. Well, not, none of that can be said about the second continental Congress. The second continental Congress may be the most effective Congress in the history of this country. And we'll tell you some of the things they did in just a moment. Yep. We pick it up in just 60 seconds. You've got Dave doing history on Bill McLeod. Sun Plumbing, one of our sponsors on Bill McLive, and they are looking for experienced plumbers. They want the best. Why? Because they are the best, and they have an opportunity for you. It could be a career-changing, life-changing thing for you. Reach out to my friend Kelly at Sun Plumbing, 321-725-2460, or go online to sunplumbing.com. They want the best because that's the service they expect to provide to their friends and neighbors in this community. You want a job where you're not running all over the state or out of the county to do the work that you have trained and become good at. You want to be part of a team that takes pride in all of that and understand and recognizes the work and value that you bring. Great benefits, great salary package, great uh, equipment, and, and everything taken care of for you. If you're in your own plumbing business and you're just tired of the administrative stuff, might be a good time to talk to Sun Plumbing. Appreciate their sponsorship here. Online at sunplumbing.com or again, call Kelly, 321-725-2460. Could be an amazing career opportunity. Dave Bowman with us. Dave does history on Bill Make Live. So Dave, the Second Continental Congress becoming one of action here. Talk to me. They've got a bunch of new members. Ben Franklin is... I got to turn you back on. I keep turning you off and not turning you back on. There you go. Try, try lingerie. It works really well. Um, okay. <laughs> not with me, pal. So the second, con- I am Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. The second continental Congress, uh, features some new members, particularly Benjamin Franklin, uh, has finally joined Congress, but they are, um, they're stressed because they gotta, they gotta figure this whole thing out. Remember three weeks ago, we started shooting at Britain. Uh, we've had all kinds of arguments with this stuff, and they're still split. The Congress is still split as to whether or not we should go our own way and declare independence or whether we should try to smooth things over, as it were, with the King of England. But they started off in, in early June. They start off by authorizing the United States Army, which doesn't even exist yet, mm-hmm. to invade Canada. So the first thing the Second Continental Congress functionally does is say, yeah, let's go get Canada, which is kind of great in the big scheme of things. But somebody forgot we didn't have an army yet. So on <laughs> June 14th of 1775, today, the Continental Army or the United States Army is established by Congress of the United States. So happy birthday, U.S. Army. Raw. Mm-hmm. Hoorah. 
Is that what they say? I, I, I get them mixed I up. So. On the 5th of July, 1775, half of the Congress still wants to make up with the king. They still want to smooth things over. So they create something called the Olive Branch Petition, which they send, send to the King of England, which basically says, hey, our bad, we're sorry, um, can we talk about this? The King of England, however, in the meantime, has received, King George, has received the news about both uh, Lexington and Concord and uh, some of the happenings around Boston. And so he does something that diplomatically, it, it doesn't make sense to us, he actually gets the Olive Branch petition, but not while he's sitting on the throne. So, in other words, they hand it to him. Not in an his official communication. Exactly. He says, okay. I've never, we have never seen it because we weren't on the throne when it comes in. So, they send that on the 5th of July. But on the 6th of July, 1775, the other half of Congress also sends the king a note, which is the declaration of the causes and necessities of taking up arms to kick your butt. Did they have majorities on either one of these votes? No, and that's the problem. The problem okay. that they have is that none of the states, none of the colonies at this point, have authorized their members of Congress to do anything regarding independence. So it's still up in the air. They're not, they're not there yet. Half the Congress has sent a, a letter saying, hey, we're sorry. Half the Congress has sent a letter saying, screw you, we're, go we're going to go after you. And the king responds to all of this by issuing on August 23rd, 1775, the proclamation of rebellion, saying the 13 American colonies are in a state of rebellion, and therefore it is your duty to me as your king to kill, maim, and destroy these people. Go forth and do so. You can make an argument that that really is a declaration of war. Um, most people don't even know that the king did that, but, but really he... Um, King George III was, he's a fascinating character. I mean, in, in, in all of history, we see him as a tyrant. We see him as the bad guy. Most of history sees him as not just a very good king, but a pretty smart guy until his mental illness, you know, knocked him off kilter. And it may have been at this point that that was really starting. It may be that the stress that we caused him kind of pushed him over the edge. Who knows? Do we know what the mental illness was, what it became? I, I, I can't pronounce it, but it's, um, it's a blood poisoning that causes your brain to, to kind of go bananas. Uh, there's a very good film called The Madness of King George, starring uh, Nigel Hawthorne, that depicts this very, very well. And remember that he lost his, he lost his mind shortly after the American Revolution. And co-regent with with king george the fourth for about 20 years because oh, wow. he would come and go he his mind would come and just go and he was uh like i said most of england sees him as a very good guy he was very much a family man he he wasn't like the other monarchs who cheated on their wives and had you know dozens of mistresses and illegitimate children Created their own religions or whatever right, yeah right he wasn't he was very much a man of the people very much a man of, he was a farmer he wanted to be a farmer more than anything so King George gets a lot of rap from us, but most of the world doesn't see him that way. It's easy to be a farmer when you got all the people you want to do the work for you. Yeah. Yeah. He liked would, to do it himself, though. Oh, well, that's okay. We've got more with Dave Does Histories. We take a look at Flag Day and uh, digging back into the origins thereof when we continue in moments on Bill Mick Live. You want in? 
Your daily dose of common sense, uncommon radio. Here's Bill Mick. Along with Dave Bowman and Dave Does History on these uh, Tuesday, 8 a.m. hours of Bill Mick Live, the West Cocoa Pharmacy making this hour possible. Uh, Stormwatch page at BillMick.com. It's brought to you all hurricane season long. Hurricanes are one of Dave's favorite things. Uh, Stormwatch brought to you by O'Galley Electric at BillMick.com. All the information you need before, during, and after a storm, including Dave's favorite displaced alligators. Dave Bowman with us as we take a look at history. Dave, we were um, talking about King George before he goes nuts, sends off uh, a, a proclamation of rebellion by the king, which basically you said could be a declaration of war, but we're not there yet. All I can think of right now is alligators. <laughs> Fear is their bacon bits. Yeah, it's not It's not technically a declaration of war. It's a, it's a declaration that part of my part of my empire is in rebellion so it's kind of a declaration of a civil war but it's not well received yeah yeah it's not well received in the united states it's shortly after this in january of 1776 that thomas paine publishes his famous common sense pamphlet which if you haven't read shame on you but if you have read well done by may of 1776 the movement for independence has grown so strongly that remember I told you there were a bunch of state governments that had not given any instructions to their Congress people about what to yeah. do about independence. Congress says to the states, look, if your state government is not for independence, you need to replace your state government with one that is. So Congress tells the states, <laughs> the, the, the colonies, you need to replace your state governments. Get get us somebody here that, that on the 15th of May, Congress tells all the state governors and state officials, you can throw off your allegiance to the crown. And on the 7th of June, 1776, the so-called Lee resolution, uh, Richard Henry Lee uh, is put out, which basically says we, we need to be independent. Congress starts debating this. And on July 2nd, 1776, a date which we celebrate every year. I'm sorry, we celebrated on the wrong day. Um, July 2nd, Congress says, yes, we hereby declare independence. Whoops, we we, we didn't get around to actually publishing it till the 4th of July, but it's actually the 2nd of July, which John Adams will write in his diary. The 2nd of July shall forever be celebrated. Huzzah. How did the states handle being told by Congress what to do? I mean, we see how we sometimes handle it here. Your state complies, my state tries not to. It's kind of an interesting thing because at this point, Georgia was the one real holdout to the whole thing. Uh, But eventually they all come around because really one of the most effective pieces of, I guess you could call it propaganda, but the idea that we had, 
we, we either hang together or we hang separately. Uh, was was Franklin's Union or Die cartoon? You know, you're the snake that's divided up into twelve pieces or thirteen yeah. pieces. Uh huh. That actually is one of the most effective pieces of propaganda ever created. And most of the states by this point recognize the fact because by this point you've had not just Lexington and Concord. Now you've had Bunker Hill. Now you've got George Washington in command. By this point, everybody's kind of on board with the idea that you know we've had it with this king. We're not doing this anymore. But it isn't until two years later, Bill, in June 14th of 1777, that Congress finally says, hey, you know what we need? Because we don't have one, technically. We need a United States flag. And so on June 14th, 1777, two years after we established the Army, Congress finally says, ta-da, here's your flag. And there was great rejoicing. Mm-hmm. Did we have banners that the army would march under or, or that hung above the, uh, Freedom Hall or anything at, during those days? There were so many different versions of flags, almost all of them incorporating the British Union, Jack, mm-hmm. that it gets confusing. It's hard to follow in some cases. The, okay. the Grand Union flag basically is our American flag with the, with the stripes reversed and the Union Jack in the, in the blue field. That was the primary one, but people kind of thought that looks pretty British to us, you know, (laughs) kind of want to wipe that off. Yeah. Yeah. We we need our own flag. And so get to work. That's you, Ross. And we'll see how they've done it as this hour is being brought to you by the West Cocoa Pharmacy. And uh, appreciate Don Doc and their staff with a commitment to you to bring service, price and speed. And their cost-plus pricing model gives them buying power that lets them pass those savings on to you. And they were taking a look at at some of their suppliers over the last few days. And with uh, the pandemic being largely behind us, what they found is that prices are down on many of their generics. While the economy seems to be driving things the other way, for example, Sedonafil, the generic Viagra, it's a penny a milligram. So 20 milligrams, 20 cents. 50 milligrams, 50 cents. 100 milligrams, only a buck. Savings, service, and speed, you're getting it from the West Cocoa Pharmacy. Learn more at CocoPharmacy.com or give them a call. They like working with you and your doctor to find you the most cost-effective treatment for whatever it is that ails you, and they'll be glad to talk to you about it. 321-305-6909 for this hour's sponsor, the West Cocoa Pharmacy. Dave Bowman hosts a plausibly live The Dave Bowman Show podcast with Dave Does History on Tuesdays on Bill McLive. So we've decided we're going to design an American flag, Dave. Uh, what's the process like? I, I mean, I can imagine everybody's got a different idea. Everybody has a different idea, but in general, they kind of give you some guidelines. Number one, it's got to be made of three colors, red, white, and blue, obviously. They, they, they mandate that the stripes have to change because on the Union Grand Union flag, the white stripes are on the outside. Mm-hmm. And this proves to be very difficult to see, especially out on the ocean. I don't really know why, but it does. So they mandate that the sw- the stripes be changed so that the red stripes are on the outside. Basically providing it a border. It, it's like watching a football game and it, it's a dark jersey with like a green number on it, right? You right. can't see it very well. But I would make sense to me if the red stripe ran around the edges, but it doesn't. So... I don't know. Well, anyway, on the top and bottom, I guess. Right. Closest thing you've got to an edge, right? And the, the main thing they do is get rid of the Union Jack in the, in the field of blue, and they replace it with stars. 
And they specifically say in the act, the stars represent a new constellation, the United States. And there have to be 13 stars, one for each of the new states. Now, this is kind of interesting because as you were discussing the 51 star flag uh, for uh, Washington, D.C., right, or Puerto Rico, depending on which side of the story you're looking at. Uh, Did you know that until 1912, there is actually no law, no rule, no guidance about the placement of the stars or the position of the stars on the, the flag. You can just put them wherever you want. Okay. So if you go Around back and edges, yeah, whatever, if yeah. you go back and look at some of the flags from 17, you know, 81, uh, when we won the war on to about 1912, you can see some pretty ridiculous looking flags. Really? Now, okay. For my money, Google. Yeah, for my money, the 13 star flag is the best one with the circle of the yes, 13 stars. Absolutely. That's the best flag we've ever had. You know, I'm kind of partial to the 50 star flag, but if we just, you know, wanted to do away with all that nonsense and stop arguing about it, just go back to the 13 star flag. That's mine. Something you should know, and you probably don't, the three colors are old glory red, old glory blue, and white. Old glory red and old glory blue. Uh, as of as of last year, cannot be reproduced on a computer. So every flag you see on a computer picture is slightly off. Why can't they be reproduced? On it a has computer? something to do with the, the 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 amount of blue ink, the amount of you know red. It doesn't match up with the way computers work uh, in in the whole thing. It's kind of it's kind of amusing, but but there you go. So the only oh, question is some kind of law that they didn't, nah, they didn't want it to happen. Just, just didn't work out that way. So here's the, here's the real question, Bill, but I know we got to take a break here, but here's the real question I want you to think about during the break. Okay. Do you believe the Betsy Ross story or not? I, I would have to say I always have. We'll think about it though. Okay. Is it more American fiction? Dave does history in a way only Dave Bowman does every Tuesday on Bill Mick live. You've got some thoughts on it. It's three, two, one. Seven six eight twelve forty. Somebody's going to be our call of the day. Hard to tell who it's. It was Jim and Vieri yesterday with a really good call. Could be you. We'll see what happens as we continue. Anyway, if it's uh, Tuesday, it's Dave Does History on Bill McLive. West Cocoa Pharmacy making this hour thereof possible. Coming up at nine or at five after nine, your first of three chances today to win your way to the iHeartRadio Music Festival. I'd go just to see Lionel Richie. He's going to be there. 
but you can win a trip for two. Listen for your cues to text at 905-105 and 505 today on WMMB. Win them before you can buy them. Dave, we're talking a little bit of history and, and no rules for the flag until 1912. You can't publish the colors of the flag on the computer because lo and behold, the computers aren't meant to handle old glory red and old glory blue. And now you ask us if we believe the Betsy Ross story. That leads me to think there's some reason to think that I shouldn't. Well, we all know the Betsy Ross story, right? The, 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 the tragic story, the Romeo and Juliet romance, the Montesquieu's and Capulets of, of uh, the Betsy Ross story, where, where she's a Quaker and John Ross is a Christchurch preacher's kid. Their families hate each other. They hate this relationship. They hate the whole thing. So they, they run off and elope. Showing all the love of their particular faiths, right. I guess. They, uh, okay. they elope. They open a, an upholstery store in Philadelphia and blah, blah. Anyway, Betsy is famous for her hats that she makes, the Quaker hats that the women wear. And okay. she's well known. And, of course, after her husband is killed in the war, General Washington goes to her and gives her this speech about we need a new symbol and, you know, the whole nine yards. I don't want to tell you the whole story because we're going to cover that a little bit differently later. But the bottom line is most Americans, do you believe the story or not? Or do you just go with Congress putting out the law saying, okay, here's here's the way the flag should be designed? I believe the Betsy Ross story, but only because I want to. It's a tragic but glorious story, and I love it. A little bit of romance and 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 reflection on, right. on what went on. Yeah, right. sure. And and so, either way, that's how we end up with the American flag, June fourteenth, seventeen seventy seven. It is begun to be flown in combat shortly thereafter, and we have stories of the American soldiers tearing up their shirts and their uniform coats and their pants to make the to to provide the material to make the new flag. They're fantastic stories and it's it's wonderful and now you have are those American believable? Flag. Yes. Oh yeah. They're they're documented. Okay. So Okay. All right. There we go. It wasn't until my senior year in high school though, Bill, that I even knew that there was a flag day. Now I knew that I was going to join the Navy. There was never any doubt about that. Um I had a very good English teacher of blessed memory, Mrs. Ruth Darrington, who also knew that, and decided one day in class, and I think she did this for me. I don't know. Maybe she did it for every class, but I, I like to believe that she did it for me. She sat us down in class one day and said, today and tomorrow, because it was going to take two hours, we are going to watch a movie in, in English class. Sorry, my alarm's going off, and I don't even know where it is. Um, the name of the movie is The Sand Pebbles. And like me, it's about a kid from Utah who joins the Navy looking to find the world and his purpose and see the world. But there's a moment in that film that takes place on June 14th, Flag Day. And the ship's commanding officer gives this little speech. Today we begin cruising to show the flag on Tun Ting Lake and the Hunan Rivers. I want all honors rendered smartly. At home in America, when today reaches them, it'll be Flag Day. For us who wear the uniform, every day is flag day. It is said there will be no more wars. We must pretend to believe that. But when war comes, it is we who will take the first shock and buy time with our lives. It is we who keep the faith. 
We serve the flag. The trade we all follow is the give and take of death. It is for that purpose that the people of America maintain us. And any one of us who believes he has a job like any other for which he draws a money wage is a thief of the food he eats and a trespasser in the bunk in which he lies down to sleep. Mr. Bordell, let's make all preparations for getting underway. Now, I got to tell you, to a 16, 17-year-old kid, Mm -hmm. that was a defining moment. And for me, there are a couple of things that I do on Flag Day every year since that moment. For every for me, every year it becomes more meaningful. I've buried friends and family members under that flag. I love that flag. But I have two traditions, Bill, that I that I follow on Flag Day. My number one tradition is that I listen to an old episode of the radio show that we did, uh, Afternoons Live with Dave and John. We uh-huh. have a Flag Day episode that is considered to be a classic, and it is. I I, I say that with uh, humility, but, humility. Yeah. but at the same time, I'm very proud of what we did that day. And, and if you're listening to my version of this podcast, it'll be appended to the end of this, so you'll actually get to hear it. It's, it's oh, a little cool. long, but it does feature one of the greatest moments in Afternoon's Live history, which I won't give completely away, but involves the words, he may have said, wench, flag me. And I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> My other tradition is I watch The Sand Pebbles, the movie The Sand Pebbles, uh, because of that speech and because it's such a great movie. And because I want to remember that every day is Flag Day for those of us that have served. And I hope that everybody else remembers that for those of us that love this flag, every day is Flag Day. And maybe it's only a state holiday in Pennsylvania. But it's always a holiday everywhere I go. Very good. And we're back in 60 seconds. You on in with Dave Bowman. It's 321-768-1240. It's one minute away on Bill McLive. If you missed anything we do all day long, you can catch up with it in the podcast section at BillMick.com and on the Bill McLive iHeartRadio channel. And just to see what we're doing all around WMMB, WMMB927.com, wmmb 927 Com. Dave Bowman with us from Plausibly Live, the Dave Bowman Show podcast, and uh, talking a little Flag Day and a bit of history. Dave, I, I got to back you up a little bit. What causes you to doubt the the Betsy Ross story? You think it was romanticized too much? What I, was? I, I think it was a little over romanticized. I I don't doubt that Washington went to her and said, you know, I need a we need a new flag. Uh, that but but some of the some of the dialogue that's used in the story is a little far-fetched. It's just, and Washington was a very formal guy and he was a very impressive person. I mean, when you were in the room with George Washington and, and we don't really understand that because I don't think there's anybody today like this. George Washington just absorbs a room. He is the focus of attention everywhere he goes. And it's not like hero worship. It's just, he is so magnetic in his personality and so big, he commands the room. He commands it, and you know, I, George Washington is probably my favorite character in American history for for a couple of reasons. One, because he is so formal, and it, and you know me, you know how formal I can be. Um, but he's also, and this is one of the things that Madison complains about Washington. He curses way too much. He cusses like a sailor, which is great in my view. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, 
but he also makes never his own, expect that from a sailor, but okay. He, he also makes his own whiskey, which you can still buy. They still make it at Mount Vernon and really? it's supposed to be really good. I've never had any. I keep wanting every, every year we plan a trip, not this year, obviously, because gas is six bucks a gallon, but every year I keep hoping we can go back to Mount Vernon and I can get a bottle of Washington whiskey from, from Mount Vernon. Is that the only place it's sold? As far as I'm aware. Yeah. I've never yeah. found it anywhere else. And of course, they can't ship it, so you can't order it online. So, mm-hmm. well, you, you need a whiskey dealer, like they do with firearms. That would be okay. Where, yeah. where you go through your licensed whiskey dealer. Well, my my favorite whiskey is Wyoming whiskey. And I went out of my way last year. I went a hundred miles out of my way last year to get a new bottle because I was out. And then I right. found out that the Navy Exchange, two miles from my house, sells it. So, ah, <laughs> uh, that's interesting. That that that, that that was good news for you, though. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, that's very good. Um, as you look at the whole flag, you've already said you like the original 13 star flag, the circular field of stars on the, uh, on the blue background as the flag potentially grows, whether it's DC, Puerto Rico, or anybody else we want to annex along the way. Is there a better design than what we've been doing here? You know, it's, I, I'm not a graphic designer, so I don't know if my if my objection to the fifty one star flag and I sent you a picture of it. I don't know if my objection to it is as is as just based on aesthetics or if it's just it can't be symmetrical, right? That's the right. problem. Or if I'm just so used to the one that we've had for my entire uh-huh. life. Uh, right. You know, it's weird. Uh, people don't realize this. Nineteen sixty was the last time we changed the flag. This is the longest this country has ever gone without adding fl- without adding stars. So. I, so I Canada know. and Mexico better watch out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as far as I know, Congress never rescinded that authorization to invade Canada. So maybe we could go do it. I don't know. It didn't go well, by the way, when we did invade Canada, it did not go well. So, really? No. No. But do you think the impetus for that was, was the idea of, look, they're, they're under British control like we are. They need to be part of what we're doing here. We're, we're on this other continent. Let's all get together here. I would say so, except that the part of Canada that we invaded was French Canada. So it's a beautiful part of the country. I spent a lot of time in Quebec. Oh, I love right. that part of Canada. So I don't, you know, I mean, I'm not sure who we were trying, were we trying to convince the French to, to join us or we were really trying to conquer it. I don't, I don't know, but it's uh it's a fascinating part of our history. Those first couple of years of this, this nation and that second continental Congress, man, they were busy. And they got a lot of stuff done that makes Congresses today look, you know, like they're just lazy. I was going to go with inept, but we can go that way. Yeah, that works. Well, they had some ineptitude, too. I mean, they, they kind of forgot that they have to pay an army, you know, to have one. Um, that, that does make it a little more yeah, difficult. Yeah. It's very true. So, there were some things that they messed up, but but they did get a lot done. And it was what an exciting time to be an American that must have been, you know, you we get up today and you think, well, what am I going to read in the newspaper today? Imagine that in 1776, 1777. What are we going to find and, out today? And they had their disagreements. They had their points of contention. And, and maybe we've always been as divided as we are now. And we just didn't realize it because of the the cleaned up versions of history we've been given through the years. But they also had a unity of purpose, Bill, that we don't have today. And that's the biggest difference. They and understood. an idea of statesmanship in yeah. large part. They understood that they had to become independent and that independent required union. We're going to hang together or we're going to hang separately. And 
they understood that all those other little disagreements were, eh, but at the same time, the big goal remained. And we don't have that big goal today. We don't have that uniting thing now. And I think that's what we've lost. I thought that was the coronavirus. <laughs> Just say it. Dave Bowman, it's always fun when we get together and do this look at history every Tuesday. Thank you for the hard work you put into it and what you bring to the table. I look forward to next week. Appreciate it, man. We'll see you then. All right. Dave Bowman, you can uh, catch up with him at thedavebowmanshow.com. Links for you at billmick.com. And uh, he'll have this podcast up probably before I get mine up today because I've got some post-show duties that I have to take care of before I can do that. And it will also have... uh, afternoons live with Dave and John. That it, it, you got to know John Constantine to know how cool that was. That's got to be fun, Dave. I look forward to listening to that. Yeah, it's it's a great moment. Thanks to the West Coco Pharmacy. We'll see you in the morning. Wide open Wednesday. Are you kidding me? It's trending on Twitter. The UFO over Washington. He, he actually told the nine one one operator that. You weren't listening to the news, were you? No, I, I heard it. I just don't know why you're incredulous. Like it or not, Dave, the, the world has moved on from does it, does things it, like telegrams and stuff like that. Does it look like a Martian spacecraft? Well, how the heck would I know what a Martian spacecraft looks like? I've never seen one before. That's pretty funny. Our, our 911 system is... Uh... She responded like I imagine you would, though. No, I can't get on the Twitter. No, no, I think I would have had a little more fun with that one. Would you? Really, as a 911 operator, if you if you realize that you have an insane person who thinks they see a UFO on the other line, and you're not in Flathead County, Montana, <laughs> don't you just, isn't it a rule that you have to mess with them? Yeah, well, I think you'd be more likely to be able to get away with it in Flathead County, Montana. Right. Welcome back. Thursday episode of Afternoons Live on KFIV. It is Flag Day here on the big show. We'll talk some flag issues and flag stories and flag stuff this afternoon, plus a couple other breaking stories that we will get to here this afternoon. 565-DAVE is the telephone number. 565-3283. Email is the yeah, mazbag, the mazbag at yahoo.com. Two Zs. Chat room open at kfiv1360.com. Eloqui cognicio. Stand up. Tell those who oppose liberty. Don't tread on me. So, stuff that has happened while we've been on the show here today, John. The um, Modesto Irrigation District. Yeah. Our friends who... I use friends as a... <laughs> I, I use the term friends somewhat loosely Very here. general terms. Friends being uh, heavily... Frenemies? Heavily, yeah, something like that. Okay. I mean, they do provide us with a necess- necessary life-saving, life-sustaining uh, commodity. On the other hand, they are trying to sell too much of it, any of it, to San Francisco for reasons that are curious at best and downright disingenuous at worst. Uh, they have announced today that the they were supposed to take up the contract on June 26th for the initial sale of water to San Francisco. Right. But they've hit a little snag. Our See, show has drummed up all this anti-water <laughs> No, I guess somebody just forgot to actually finish writing the contract. Oh. And so someone pointed out the fact to them that, you know, it might not be a bad idea to actually have the contract written in hand before you vote on it. Right. And no, in, their, makes sense. in their infinite wisdom, they've said, oh, gee, why didn't we think of that? 
So they've delayed it to July 10th. I didn't need to read a big old contract. All I know is we're getting paid. Right. Anyway, the first sale would involve 2,200 acre feet, uh, which is 1.6% of MID's average annual deliveries to farmers and the treatment plant serving them in dust area. Blah, 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 blah. Board could, board could also vote to launch the environmental study needed to be the sale of an additional 25,000 acre feet of water. <sighs> da, 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 da. Anyway, the proposal has drawn opposition from many people concerned that it would mean shortages for in years in dry years for farmers and domestic users supplied by MID. Supporters say the income from San Francisco could pay for major upgrades to the canals. Which, of course, is the flaw in the problem because the extra water that they're supposed to have is because of the upgrades to the canals. So you... Kind of see the circle there, right? You don't you don't really have the extra water until you've done the updates, if there even is any, that the water that you sell is supposed to pay for. Right. Well, and then also, I was just reading completely unrelated stories the other day that that were basically saying that uh, uh, it turns out that based on based on computer projections and kind of the way things have been going, there's going to be a water shortage as early as next year. What a water shortage, Dave. What? How can this be, John? Which is why we better sell this to San Francisco as soon as humanly possible. You better do it now, because now you've got it. You know, you don't want to wait till you don't have it and then try to sell it. That, right. w- that would be crazy, John. We might need it then. See, now if you get locked into a long 10, 20, 30-year contract now, then you won't have to worry about coming up with that contract when you don't actually have the water. Right. I hate you, politics. No, you don't. I really do. No. You don't. I don't get the joy out of it that you do. Really, it's like for me, like my end result, like I go home and I start to think about kind of the state that we're in and stuff. And here's what I learned today, you know, and, and it's just despair sets in. Oh, John, I have failed you. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm supposed to be giving you encouragement. Yeah. I believe knowledge to be power. I believe that as you know these things, you will be less likely to allow them to continue. Here's what I want, Dave. I want you to teach me how you become gleeful over the the the, the foibles and missteps of our politicians. Our so what officials. you're saying, what you're saying, John, is that you are willing to become my padwan. Yeah, or your dark apprentice, depending <laughs> depending on how you look at it. Well, it would still be a padwan, right? Either either way, right. That you for you will have to decide for yourself whether to use the force for good or evil. I have chosen my destiny, and it cannot be undone. Even though that's the whole point of the movie is that it can be undone. But Do you, you realize that every woman listening just shut up her radio. <laughs> All right. Well, how about this then? Breaking news this afternoon: a jury has rejected the claim by Kevin Costner that he and his partner duped Alec Baldwin and a friend out of a lucrative BP contract. Really? I assume there's meat to that story, but I just... I assume it's going to end in in a celebrity death match in the ring with Judge Mills Lane presiding. Now, see, that's what AP is reporting, but Metro is reporting that the the judge rejected the claims against Kevin Costner. Oh, and I'm sorry, I got the wrong Baldwin, brother. Stephen Baldwin, not Al. Oh, yeah, nobody cares about Stephen. Stephen's going to lose. Sorry, you don't oh, so command as much fame as Now that it's Steven, you're okay with Right. Him. Okay, just want to make sure. Yeah. I'm Baldwin racist. Isn't everybody? Everybody's, right, a, yeah. everybody's a little bit Baldwin Everybody racist. has their favorite Baldwin. 
June 14th, of course, is Flag Day. It's a national holiday celebrating the Stars and Stripes. It's been a holiday since 1949. It's not a, it's not the kind of holiday where you get the day off. You, you still have to go to work. Which I thought was always unfair because as my father's birthday falls on Flag Day every single you year. You should get it off. Too. I have always said to myself, wouldn't it be nice if dad could get the day off? Would be. And then it never turns out that way. I did, however, notice that despite the email that went out the other day, you did not wear any patriotic clothing today. So Neither I'm, did So I'm not wearing a red shirt? That says USA on it. I don't have anything that says USA on it. You don't have anything patriotic in your, in your wardrobe at all? I'm wearing a red shirt. I'm just saying the email that went out the other day that said, you're encouraged to wear patriotic clothing. I today. saw that. And then it was immediately followed by another email that said, please note this is optional. Don't feel, yeah, don't feel like you have to wear, wear patriotic clothing. But if you don't, you're probably a communist. I wore a red shirt today because of that. Okay. I could have worn my usual dumb black shirt or a brown shirt or something. And I wore a red shirt because it's one of the colors on our flag. Or didn't you know that? Actually, do you know the colors of the flag? I'm going to say red, white, and blue, and you're going to say, no, technically it's not, because the red is more of a carnelian or something like that, right? Right? No, I was just going to give you the official names of the colors, which are not red, white, and blue. Okay, what are <laughs> I knew it. Yes, so yes, that. What are they then? Well, now i got to jump ahead to the other <laughs> story. That was all set to go, it up, it's all jerk. set to go through this story, but now you're going to make me go into that story. Yeah. The official colors are white, old glory red, oh, and I, old glory blue. I like that. These are the official colors as designated by the Congress of the United States. Now, here's the interesting fact. I guarantee you, you do not know this. Oh, I, I believe you already. These colors cannot be reproduced on a, on a computer monitor. Really? They cannot be reproduced because so of every the, American flag that you see on the interwebs is is is, is just a little off. off on its color. Wow, that's cool. They are reproducible for cloth only. They cannot be perfectly converted to an RBG screen display or even for printing. And that can't have been on purpose. Probably not. It just turned out that right. way and because in 1949, I'm sure they, they were like, oh, crap." Yeah, in 1949, <laughs> they didn't have any of that stuff. Right. So, well, it's not like we're just going to change it to royal blue. Right. They uh, they didn't have that up until uh, by the way up until I believe it was 1912. Little little known flag flag facts here. We'll start with that instead of instead of the instead of the uh, instead of the Google story. We'll go to this instead. Little known flags about the American flag. Little known facts about the American flag. Before 1912, the proportion proportions and placement of the stars on the flags, blue field, were left up to the flag maker. So the flag maker could in fact send. Put the stars wherever they wanted to. So you could kind of put your own little like you mark could, on it, sort you of. You could do whatever you want to with them. And the stars could be different sizes. They could be in different orders. They could do so whatever you want. If you really hate North Dakota, you could give them just a really crappy small star. Right. You could do that. Um, flag fact number two. Betsy Ross, of course. I, I don't want to give you this fact because I want to get into this, this little factoid later on about Betsy Ross. The stars placed on the blue field, of course, were to represent a new constellation in the heavens that according to the 19 or I'm sorry the 1777 flag act as passed by the then continental congress so it wasn't um they actually took the time to define it only half of the 50 states Now, see, that's what I pictured, like, would have happened from the beginning. Because, I mean, don't when it comes to this stuff, they're real specific about it. Yeah, they are. So why didn't they lay out the layout of the star field? 
Well, because the star field changes. And this As this is one of the States. this is one of the this is one of the things I disagree with the the flag the number of stars changing. I am of the opinion, and I've, I'm on the record every every June 14th I say this: the flag should be the original 13 star flag with the stars in a circle. I think that is the best looking it's American. A, it's flag. a really sharp looking it is, flag. I agree. It, it is sharp. It looks cool. It's. I mean, if you've ever seen the logo that I did for the show back before John and Maz joined it, so it was just me. I'm, that's the logo. I. And I haven't had Before time to redo it. Everything. Oh, I haven't had time to redo it yet. Sorry. Um, I'm just messing with you. Plus, I don't have pictures of you. Guys. I agree with you, dude. But I, that should be the, the flag. The old glory flag is an awesome looking flag. If I were president of the United States, by the way, the contest uh, for the Ports game tomorrow night, Sasha Green, congratulations. You are the winner of the Ports tickets for tomorrow night. Um, for your answer, what you would change if you're president, and you're going to have to forgive me because I don't have it in front of me, and I, it was a great answer, and I've forgotten what it was right off the top of my head. Just know that it was good enough to move him. It, w- it was good enough that it got changed my underwear out of the way. Oh, that'd have to be pretty good. Yeah. So uh, at, at any particular rate, I think that should be the flag. And, and if, if, if I were president, that is the first thing I would do. I would change the national flag, do away with this 50-star thing, and, and go back to the 13-star. But at, at any rate, only half of the 50 states by my math, is 25, have laws encouraging students to recite the Pledge of Allegiance in class at school. I don't know why that matters, but only half of the states do this. Wisconsin school teacher by the name of B.J. Sigrand was the essentially the first organizer of Flag Day. He orchestrated Flag Day birthday celebrations for his students, and the idea stuck and eventually in 1949 became a national holiday. Flag Day, as you already know, if you were listening in the first hour, shares its birthday, shares its day with, uh, with two specific birthdays. One, Papa, Papa Considine. It sounds so Greek. <laughs> John, I promise you it's not. John's esteemed father. It used to be O Considine, and when we came here at Ellis no, still, Island, they made us drop that. the O for whatever reason. Still not buying that. You're going to have to show me that in writing somewhere. And, of course, the other is the United States Army. Also founded this day. Happy is, birthday, Army, and happy birthday, my dad. Already talked about the uh, the colors, white, old glory red, old glory blue. But under the United States Code, stars and stripes have specific diameter, diameters and length-to-width ratios. You'll notice that our flag is not a perfect square. It is, in fact, a rectangle. And it has to be specifically in its ra- specific in its ratios for length and width in order to be a proper flag. Lastly, uh, Old Glory was a pet name that Captain William Driver gave to his personal American flag. While he was in Tennessee during the Civil War, Driver hid his flag between the seams of a bed quilt and only revealed his Old Glory when Union soldiers finally captured Nashville. When they, the story, As the story goes, they had a very small flag when they captured Nashville and they climbed to the top of the state capitol in Nashville and put it up there, and it was virtually unseeable because it was so small and Someone said, hey, Captain that Driver. That has a really big flag. That guy's got a big flag. Break out old glory. Get your flag and out. And he's all, damn it. And he did and uh, hung it back up there. And That's awesome. That's the... Now, was it still was it still the 13-star the flag no, then? Th- uh, no, it was 36 at that By then, they had yeah. changed it already. Yeah, they, they started doing that right, almost right away. Which that I just seem, that seems kind of odd to me. I, I mean, I guess because it's been fifty, it's been fifty stars since I was right, alive. Since nineteen sixty. Yeah. So uh, up until nineteen sixty, I think this is the longest. But when we've you go ever back gone. and think about it, it's like no. Every time we had a state, we had a star. 
I, it seems like the the original thirteen because I mean that is such a huge part of the story of why we are, and I think it's a big part of I don't know it doesn't it seem to you that like somewhere along the lines like uh, that became kind of less important. Yes. Like, wouldn't it be good to remember why we did what we did and that, like, oh. these 13, you know, oh. 13 colonies got super brave and said to themselves, you know what? No way. No way. We're going to do our own thing from here on out. And that's it really cool. so much better now, John. Now I feel like, <laughs> now I feel like we're communicating <laughs> about what this is. Look, I, the, the, thir- the, the counter argument is going to be, well, you got 13 stripes, and that represents the, the 13. I, I, I agree. Yeah, sure, it does. But it's just a better looking flag. It just really is. I, you could put every flag that we've ever had up there, and we had some really ridiculous-looking ones. If you've ever seen one of the 37 or the, the the 41 star flags. Did you ever have a flag where it was just, like, one star at the bottom that was just kind of, like, hanging out? Well, I mean, they had some official flags. They, they looked atrocious. And, and I'm not saying the 50 star one looks all that bad. I mean, the 48, the 50, I can live with. But I really like the 13. Yeah. I really do. And the other thing I was just thinking about we haven't added a star since 1960, so it's been 52 years. I don't think we've ever gone that long in the history of our flag without, without adding a star. It. So, so what if we? I mean, I wouldn't be opposed at all to take it because you know what? I mean, people are going to say, "Oh, that you know that asses out all these other states or whatever." We're not even talking about the states, though. I mean, that gets right. rid of every state. We're talking about the original 13 colonies right. at that point. They're even. This is how bad it's getting now, John. This, speaking of forgetting things, the United States Navy, my beloved United States Navy, is actually coming out with a new Cracker Jack uniform, the traditional sailor uniform, mm-hmm. with the thirteen buttons on the fly of the of the of the the, the bell bottom trousers. Mm-hmm. The thirteen buttons, by the way, representing the thirteen original colonies, as they have since time immemorial. Now there's fifty buttons, and you'll never pee. No. Now, the buttons are simply decorative, and there's a zipper on the damn thing. Well, the buttons are still there, though. But they're not functional anymore. But does that change the symbolism? Yeah. The symbology, if you will? It changes everything to me. Does it? it just it's, it's like saying, because when you button your buttons, what are you thinking as you're buttoning your buttons? On your no, 13, that's kind of a good point. You're reminding yourself of who you are. Right. Now you're going to go zip. Well, what if you just think it all really fast? <laughs> I don't know. I think there's something I, to be I said joke, for tradition. But I understand what right. you're saying. There's something to be said for tradition. Yeah. This this irks me a great deal. It is Afternoons Live, KFIV, KWSX, everywhere via the iHeartRadio app on your smartphone. It is Flag Day. Got some special flags music we'll play for you here in just a second. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I walked through a county courthouse square on a park bench. An old man was sitting there. I said, your courthouse is kind of run down. He said, no, it'll do for our little town. I said, your old flagpole has leaned a little bit, and that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it. He said, have a seat. And I sat down. Is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag there when Washington took it across the Delaware. And it got powder burned the night that Francis Scott Key said, watching it right and say, can you see? And it got a bad rip in New Orleans 
Packingham and Jackson tugging at its seams. And it almost fell at the Alamo beside the Texas flag, but she waved on though. She got cut with a sword at Chancellorsville. And she got cut again at Shiloh Hill. There was Robert E. Lee, Beauregard, and Bragg. And the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag. On Flanders Field in World War I, she got a big hole from a Bertha gun. She turned blood red in World War II. She hung limp and low a time or two. She was in Korea, Vietnam. She went where she was sent by her Uncle Sam. She waved from our ships upon the briny foam, and now they've about quit waving back here at home. In her own good land here, she's been abused. She's been burned, dishonored, denied, and refused. And the government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land. And she's getting threadbare and she's wearing thin, but she's in good shape for the shape she's in. Cause she's been through the fire before. And I believe she can take a whole lot more. So we raise her up every morning. We take her down every night. We don't let her touch the ground and we fold her up right. On second thought, I do like to brag. Cause I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag. John Wayne for you on Flag Day here on Afternoons Live on KFIV, 1360 AM Modesto. It is um, one of those days that I always enjoy. It's, it's fun looking back at some of this stuff and enjoying all that. John, a little bit of text reaction here uh, to your to your shirt. He's wearing your red shirt, so we've just learned that John has three total shirts to choose from on any given day. Yeah, that's accurate. That's not true. That's accurate. It's not true. So one of the facts that we didn't get to, and I'm almost out of time here for this segment again, is this Betsy Ross story. Do you believe the Betsy Ross story? Uh, It is so... It sounds so much like a tall tale like George Washington and the cherry tree that it can't possibly be true. There's, I mean, I'm sure there's element of truth to it, but it can't possibly be just the way they, they tell it. Well, I guess we'll have to get into that coming up after the break. Uh, someone texted me here, I bet you can't name the three states that were, that were independent countries prior to becoming states. There were actually uh, 35. Why would anybody bet that you wouldn't know that? 35 states that were never considered territories of the United States. Hey, Dave, I hate money. I want to bet that you don't know something about American history. <laughs> there were actually 35. You, you, you knock out the first 13 because obviously they were never territories. Right. Vermont was actually formed as the Republic of Vermont. One of my favorite stories because Vermont wanted to be the 14th colony. Ethan, uh, <clears throat> Ethan Allen and his crew up there. And uh, the revolution kind of got in the way of that. And so they just unilaterally declared the, the Republic of Vermont. And they were the 14th state. They were the first state in after the, the whole thing. Kentucky was, Vermont was like, all right. Kentucky actually uh, made themselves kind of thing. Texas, of course, was uh, that. But the others, the others that were never, never territories, Vermont, Kentucky, Maine, Texas, California, and West Virginia. 
You know what I read the other day that I thought was really really cool was uh, it, it, I don't I, and I can't I, I I'm not sure of the veracity of it or not, but basically what it said was that Washington had enough support that he could have become the king of America, yeah, and instead of doing that, gave up the power to Congress or whatever, calling King George of England. Uh, causing King George of England to to call George Washington one of the greatest men who ever lived. Yep, which and I think is kind of awesome. So we got into a lot of that back in Constitution Thursday with the Twenty um, Second Amendment, uh, presidential succession, where we talked about Cincinnatius mm. and the Cincinnatius Society, which is not based on Cincinnatius at all. It's based on George Washington and the fact that. He could have set up himself up. He could have been king. But didn't, chose not to. Chose to go back to his farm. So what is, do they follow, like, the lineage of George Washington and say that, like, he could have been king of America and, like, if he had, then we would oh, be I part of that family? I don't know if they do that or not, but I know we'd have had some pretty good whiskey because that's what he sold on that his was, farm. That was his jam. I still want a bottle of that stuff if anybody's yeah, going Yeah, George back Washington and, whiskey, yes, Stay please. with us. It's half past the hour. Afternoon's live. We'll be right back. stealing and it sets my brain a reeling when I listen to the music of a military band. Every tune like Yankee Doodle simply sets me off my noodle. It's that patriotic something that no one can understand. Way down south in the land of cotton. Melody untiring. It's so inspiring. And that's going some for the Yankees by gum, red, white, and blue. I am for you, honest, you're a grand old flag. You're a grand old flag, you're a high-flying flag, and forever in peace may you wave. You're the emblem of the land I love, the home of the free and the brave. Every heart beats true under red, white, and blue, where there's never a ghost or brag. But should old acquaintance be forgot, keep your eye on that brand old flag. Welcome back to Afternoons Live, KFIV, 1360 AM Modesto's Flag Day here on the big show. So, back to this Betsy Ross story. John, somewhat skeptical of this story. Others are as well. There's no shame in that. There's I'm just no, skeptical because right. it's it's such a like a like an awesome story where you're like that has to be a little bit embellished. Betsy Ross came from a large Quaker family living in Philadelphia in the 1700s. Interestingly enough, so did uh, so did Sam Bowman. Hmm. Might have to look at that. Uh, the family included 17 kids. Betsy was number eight in the line. Received her initial experience in needlework while she was a teenager. Like most kids in very large families, she was expected to do her part in helping the family financially. Her role was to make and sell the little white caps worn by all the Quaker girls at that time. They still do, don't they? Uh, uh, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Betsy always put a unique design on each cap, kind of like... Uh, that's one of the things I love about yarmulkes is you can put a, just about anything on them. Really? Yeah. That's yeah I've cool. got a Dodger yarmulke somewhere. <laughs> Pretty cool. It was, uh, it was considered something of a status symbol for girls to wear a cap designed and made by Betsy. While she was still a teenager, she went to work as an apprentice at an upholstery shop in Philadelphia. A few months later, the shop owner hired another apprentice to work along with Betsy. This was a tall, good-looking fellow. He was the son of a local clergyman, and his name was John Ross. Two worked well together. Soon, they were dating during off-working hours. 
When they announced their plans to be married, both families objected vehemently. John was a very nice young fellow, everyone agreed, but he was not the son of a Quaker clergyman. An American version of Romeo and Juliet almost Mm. here. Finally, Betsy and John got fed up with all the family bickering and did what teenage star-crossed lovers have done throughout history. They eloped. They went to a nearby town, and they were married in 1773. That's awesome. A couple of years later, in 1775, they opened their own upholstery shop in Philadelphia. By the way, this was also the year that the Revolutionary War started. John was so strong, felt so strongly about the effort to create the new and independent nation free from English rule that he immediately joined the Continental Army. And, as in all great tragedies, was killed in the war. Betsy was now a widow, sole operator of the upholstery shop, worked harder than ever before at her own business. One day in June of 1776, she was working behind the counter. She looked up to see a man walking through the front door of a shop. He was very tall, with broad shoulders, and wearing a uniform that had uh, a great deal of decorations on it. He was also followed by several other men. As he walked towards the counter, Betsy realized that this was none other than General George Washington, the commander-in-chief of the Continental Army. Betsy, he said, I have heard that you have the very best needlework in all of Philadelphia. I have a very special job for you, if you'll agree to it. We need a visual symbol for the new independent nation we are forming. We need something people can look at, feel good, and proud that they're part of this new and free country. That part I find a little staged, but... So I, I have no problem up to this point. The, the dialogue I got problems <laughs> he with. He may have walked in there and said, Wench, flag me! He asked Betsy if she would be willing to sew a flag. Because <laughs> George Washington was a boss. That would Well, he did cuss a lot. That would visually represent their new nation. Betsy agreed. But after carefully examining the rough sketch which Washington had showed her, a sketch which he had drawn the previous evening, she offered a few suggestions regarding the flag design. I noticed, she said, that you want 13 six-pointed stars on that blue field in the corner, she said. They, of course, represent our 13 colonies. That's fine, but I think it would look better if they were five-pointed stars. Also, General, if you don't mind me saying so, I think it should be, I don't think it should be a square flag, as you've indicated on your sketch. A rectangular shape would look better when the wind unfurls it at the top of poles. Washington thought for a moment, then agreed. Follow my basic design, he said, as I've sketched it out here, but incorporate your ideas. I think that that will improve it. Two days later, Washington returned to the shop to pick up the new flag. He was delighted with what he saw. And soon, of course, that flag design was flying high and proud on flagpoles throughout the colonies. Following year, in 1777, Congress enacted a special resolution declaring that this flag design, with its 13 five-pointed stars in a rectangular shape, would from henceforth be the official flag of the United States of America. So it's basically true. I, again, I'm not buying the dialogue, and I know I know historians. Whatever, yeah. I know historians are going to go, "Oh, dude, exactly. people may have done." It. But you know what? Is there a better American story than that? No, that, I don't care what he said to her. That's a cool right. story. It's, a, I mean, it's still a cool story. If George Washington walked into her shop and just looked at her until she made a flag, I don't, it doesn't matter what he said. He, she was the seamstress. She, yeah. she, everybody knew who Betsy was. Well, and you know what, dude? This is what I think is the coolest part about it, dude, is that she is a recently widowed seamstress whose husband died fighting for the very cause that they want a symbol of, and she felt strongly enough about it. Like, doesn't it seem to you that, like, 
Only somebody that invested in the whole idea of what they were doing could have created something so perfect. I love that story. And as far as I'm concerned, put it in the canon. It's official. All right. I will accept no other story. It's Afternoons (laughs) Live. It's KFIV 1360 AM Modesto. It's Flag Day. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Trombone part ever written, but I don't have time to sit here and wait for it to come up. So, greatest part, of course, is the trombone counter melody for the Hogan's Heroes March. John Philip Sousa, Stars and Stripes Forever. You know, I can't hear this without having memories of being a kid and going to the uh, the local community college when we were living in Cupertino and laying out on the on the lawn of like their giant field or whatever and watching the huge professional fireworks displays for the Fourth of July. It was awesome. That was great. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was some good memories. The whole family would go out and set up a blanket or whatever, and we would just kick back and watch. It was awesome. It's Flag Day here on Afternoons Live, KFIV 1360 AM Modesto. It's, um, it's one of those days, it's, it, I, I guess on the Jewish calendar, we, we would equate this to a minor holiday. It's not a... <clears throat> should be more important it's not, than it it's is. It's not a bank holiday. Right. Everybody still goes to work. Everybody, But it's one of those days that we should take a few moments to kind of sit back and think about the flag and its symbolism and what it means. And, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm well on record. You almost said symbology. I said it earlier, and it earwormed into your brain. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm well on record as to how I feel about the American flag. It is, it is more than just a symbol, and I, I do get snitty about that. It is not just a symbol. There is, I know flags throughout history of the world have this, that, or the other, but... There's just something unique about ours. There's something special about ours. The 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 way it was born. I, I I'm just I'm sure that there's a movie out there or a musical or something that tells that story. Oh my! But how could there, for a musical? How could there not be a just really? I mean, it's it's a Romeo and Juliet story. It really is for Betsy and John Ross and how we got to that point. And I I don't. It's I look at my country's history and I I think to myself. It just amazes me each and every every time I look at that flag. I'm amazed at what I what I remember. Yeah, sure, I have my my issues. I wish it was 13 instead of 50. But and who knows what it's going to be if it ever turns into 51? Who'd we get? Well, there's a discussion about Puerto Rico and right, or if like a state splits up or something in two states, right. like Northern and Southern or, California, or if we have another civil war and we have to oh, divide God. up divide up Virginia again or something. But. Um, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, the future, nobody knows what it'll be. I know that there are people out there that already have the designs. They already, you know, they've already put on paper what it'll look like if we have 51 or 53 or 58 or whatever. But this is why I still lobby to go back to the 13. I think it's, it's perfect. Then it doesn't matter how many states you wind up getting. I mean, think about that. When you think of the perfect numbers, perfect numbers, symmetrical numbers, 13 never enters your mind. now. But look at that flag. It does look really good. It looks perfect. It's, it really, yeah. really does. And it turns out like that's what you need to make a circle that you know is for sure a circle. 
Never, tell never, me how that works. I never, have no idea. Never thought of it in those terms, but okay. It's just uh, you know, it's it, for me. It's a very personal thing. I not only in my own service uh, in the Navy, but of course my grandfather, who was uh, United States Air Force or actually Army Air Corps at that time, uh, and ended up being buried under that flag as a veteran. My great grandfather, who uh, fought in the American Civil War as a cavalry trooper, even though he was from Arkansas, buried under that flag. My great-great-grandfather on the other side, John George Bowman, buried at Fort Leavenworth in Kansas, National Military Cemetery. And um, it's one of those things where I, I, I've... Originally, I wanted to be buried, when I, when I go, I wanted to be buried at uh, Little Bighorn National Cemetery. Uh-huh. But it's closed for new burials. That is my favorite spot on the planet. I You're going to have to go back in time and die then. Right. But, but that is my... If you just pick a spot on the earth that's like... This is where Dave feels that's it. But now I'm thinking, but now I'm reading things. Fort Leavenworth still has some open spots. Can they scatter your ashes there? I'm sure they could. I think there's rules about that, but you know what? Yeah. That's, that's something there shouldn't be really. Who's going to notice at that right, point? Right, exactly. Right. Yeah, out in the middle, out in the dirt anyway. But I, I, I have this vision of, you know, Thornton Wilder's Our Town where where dead folks sit in, in folding chairs in the cemetery and just chit-chat about stuff and watch stuff going on. And how cool would that be to go to Fort Leavenworth and sit a few chairs away from my great-great-grandfather and just shoot the breeze all day? It would be great. And we could talk about what he did in uh, the 40th Indiana and in the Civil War and how he didn't want It'll to It'll be really interesting because you guys are probably into the same things. Probably so. And, of course, all the way back to my great-great nine generations ago grandfather, uh, Charles Holt, who... In 1780, served under this flag, under General Francis Marion in the swamps. It, it is a very personal thing to me. And I, I look at Flag Day, and I wish I, I wish it could be so much more. Uh, kudos, of course, to the city of Manteca. city of Manteca, man, they get the flags out. Uh, you, uh, ben and I went for our walk this morning and <laughs> had to stop every five feet to let him touch the flag because he's fascinated by those things. That's cool. And he wanted to touch those. Um, I wish more and more cities would... Would do those kinds of definitely your kid. <laughs> yeah, that's for dang sure. Hmm. It, uh, it it is a very meaningful thing to me, and I know to many of you as well. And that's why these kinds of uh, of remembrances are so important. And it's why it's frustrating when I maybe it shouldn't bother us, but it does. Google today didn't have a Google Doodle at all on Flag Day, and it's the kind of thing you look at and you go, "Well, I guess they're a million billion dollar multinational." Maybe it doesn't matter to them, but it's the kind of thing that if you really do appreciate what this country is all about, it's not that hard to celebrate Flag Day. It really isn't, and it's something that every person should do. It's Afternoons Live on KFIV, 1360 AM Modesto. Stay with us back in 60 seconds. I just wanted to say also, uh, on behalf of Afternoons Live and probably everybody here, because I want to encourage the behavior in the future... Uh, thanks again to Subliminally Fresh Food Truck for coming directly to our parking lot. That was so awesome. Everybody just walked out there with their money and said, feed us, and they did, and it was delicious. It was very good. Yeah, you can find them on uh, on, on Facebook as well, Subliminally Fresh, uh, and it's worth checking out. They're usually over by the, uh, I think, behind the Citibank on uh, on McHenry by, at, like, Floyd there, I think. Right. Uh, but it's good stuff, and they're also downtown too. But the 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 Facebook page generally says where they're going to be. Very good stuff, and thanks to them for coming by today and participating. Along. All right, that wraps up Flag Day. Just a reminder: best of fun with news tomorrow. Because I got to be somewhere else and get your tickets for the Stockton Ports game tomorrow night. The presidential 
seat cushion I can't believe you get to throw out the ball. That's so, so jazzed, crazy, dude. Man, I am so excited that's about kind that. That's kind of awesome, I really am. And it's, uh, it's one of those things that's... That's like the perfect thing for you, too. If they were yeah. like, hey, what's the perfect gift for Dave? I'd be like, well, if I could set this up. <laughs> tell, tell me you did. Yeah. Because I don't know who there actually set it up. I suggested you, Dave, to the Ports Nuts. Thank you, man. <laughs> that's awesome. And uh, we'll be back on Monday. Don't forget, Saturday, of course, you've got uh, Fire to Wire at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock behind the badge, 10 o'clock house calls with the real estate doctor. Had lunch with her today. Ought to be a good show coming up Saturday. She's always entertaining. Yeah, she's, uh, she's great. So, And then we'll be back on Monday for a brand new live show right here on Afternoons Live. Take the time right now. Tell the people that matter in your life you love them very much. You would miss them if they weren't there. So don't pass up those opportunities. You do not want to have that regret. I'm Dave Diamond. That's John Constine for Mazzy. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. And we will see you on Monday, well, tomorrow for Best of Fun with News, and then on Monday for a brand new episode of Afternoons Live on KFIV, 1360 AM Modesto. Of course, everywhere in the world via the free, life-saving iHeartRadio app available for free at KFIV1360.com. Have a wonderful evening and weekend. See you Monday. Stay tuned. Rusty's next.